0: Hi everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Cameron Rooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. Have another great episode here where I interview uh, Chip Autry, who is a demand planner with GlaxoSmithKline, also known as GSK. Uh, you know, in this podcast, uh, Chip sheds a lot of light on the importance of demand planning, what demand planning does, because I think it's a it's a career field. That's probably not thought of a lot by military officers in terms of making the transition to business. You know, think of the big ones like manufacturing, logistics, sales, engineering. And demand planning fits into this logistics business analysis uh, category. And Chip does a great job explaining the importance of what he does, the impact that he makes. He also talks about uh, how he earned his MBA at NYU while working. Uh, also giving advice for those that are thinking about making the transition and also those that already have and that are in their first couple years in business and trying to establish themselves and navigating those early challenges that one experience. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you.
1: Hi, Chip. It's Joel. Welcome to the Cameron Brooks Podcast. It's great to have you on. Hi, Joel. Thanks for having me. So, Chip, I thought we, we would just start off with, you know, tell, us, tell the audience um, you know, where you work right now and and the role or position that you have. So explain the company and your your, your current role.
2: Sure. So I work for GSK Consumer Healthcare. Uh, we are a part of GSK, GlaxoSmithKline. Uh, most people are familiar with that company as being a pharma company, and that is by large our, our business, our largest part of the business. Um, there's also uh, GSK Vaccines and GSK Consumer Healthcare, which is uh, the part of the business that I work with. Um, we deal with uh, products that have uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients, but aren't really, you don't require a prescription for it. So the brands that I work with are um, um, Nicorette, Nicoderm, um, Excedrin, Flonase. Uh, Flonase especially was, a, was a, 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 one of our, our biggest brands right now, formerly was prescription, is now non-prescription. So it's handled by the consumer healthcare business. Um, that's my company, and I am a demand planning manager. Um, Demand planning is what I started in. Um, It's what I was hired to do at the Cambridge Conference I attended uh, way back in 2012. And um, I went to work for Unilever for a couple years and did demand planning and then had an opportunity to come over to GSK as a demand planning manager. Um, Demand planning, for people who aren't familiar with it, is uh, basically forecasting. Uh, We work with the sales and the finance team to determine how much product we're going to be shipping. Uh, each month to meet our targets, and then we coordinate with the supply planning team uh, to actually give them the forecast they need to set up uh, production schedules at the manufacturing sites.
1: And if let's go back to the beginning, uh, it, you know we'll come back and talk a little bit more about demand planning. So you made the transition in 2012. Mm-hmm. Do, you ever question, do you ever question, Chip, your decision to get out of the military? Do you ever look back and wonder, did it make the right decision?
2: Uh, I don't. I, I really enjoyed my time in the military. Um, I had a great time doing it. I did for nine years. Um, I also did a number of deployments because it just got to be a bit much for the family. Um, so after, after completing my company command, I decided it was time to do something else different. Um, in the first... Six months to a year. There were definitely times where I questioned that I make the right decision, um, especially when I would, you know, hit challenges at work. Uh, but usually, one phone call with a buddy who was still in would would remind me pretty quick of, of the reasons that uh, I chose to leave for. So uh, no, I don't I don't regret leaving. It was um it was a great part of my life being in the military, but it's a great part of my life now not being in the military.
1: Um, and what would you uh, what would you say is like one of the major differences, without being negative, of course? I mean, I'm former mm-hmm. military, so super grateful for what the Army did for me um, and how much I've learned in the military about leadership and working with a diverse group of people. But what would you say the biggest difference, maybe in job satisfaction, that you have in the business world, vice uh, maybe you didn't get in the military? Hmm. That's a good
2: question. Um, I've, I've, I've been able to stay with positions longer um, in in my career in uh, business as opposed to military I, I was you know changing jobs every 12 to 18 months um, I've stuck with organizations longer here so I've been able to see more as, as initiatives are, are put in place and um, we actually drive changes in an organization um, it's been more satisfying to see those changes come through um, it's especially been satisfying when when um, you know, like when I was a demand planner, I would actually do the work to improve my my key performance indexes, you know, increasing my forecast accuracy through getting a better understanding of what it is I was doing and uh, applying that knowledge to to my role. So, being able to drive improvements within the business, I, I think I had a harder time seeing those results in the military than I've been able to um, working in the corporate sector. Um, and I'd say getting you know recognized. Financially as well for for high performance has been great as well. Um, that's definitely an area that is much different from from being in the military.
1: Um, and and tell me what how your job in the military helped you be successful at least in your first year to 18 months at Unilever. I mean clearly you went into a role where you weren't working with all military people. So what were the skill sets that you took from the military into your first year, year and a half with Unilever to allow you to be successful?
2: Uh, I'll, I'll answer that question, but I, I just think it's funny when you say it's not like I was working with all military people. we um, I don't know if you remember Sabina Hoffelder, the woman who hired me, but she also uh, was instrumental in getting uh, two other Cameron Brooks people hired to um, our planning section at the same time. So we used to make jokes about how many Cameron Brooks guys there were in the, In the ice cream planning section of Unilever, so sometimes it felt like I was working with much military people. Um, But I, I, you know, I I was a logistician in the uh, Army, and that's why I thought that supply chain would be a really good fit. And I think it has been. In my specific role, I don't know that there was much that I did as a logistician that directly correlated to being a planner. Um, So I can't say, you know, I would have done better. Since I was a logistician versus if I had been the infantry or if I had been an MP or something like that. Um, It was more about just those those, um, core skills that that, that the military teaches in you. Um, You know, I'd I'd say that um, being adaptable was a big one. So making that change, it was a a very big change going from the military to to the corporate side and being able to quickly adjust to that change, Um, being resilient. It was steep um, learning curve, learning uh, a new business and, and being, you know, rated against that. Um, kind of stick-to-itiveness and, and getting to the bottom of things really helped a lot with what I did. Um, a lot of planning, you need to do root cause analysis. If you don't understand why certain trends are happening, it's hard to forecast them. So I think that um, that was instilled in me in the military um, and just seeing through things seeing things through to the end um, was also very useful. But I, I think those are attributes that most military officers, regardless of their specific MOS, acquire. Um,
1: OK. Um, what things did you do in your first year, 18 months, to establish yourself? And maybe talk about some of the challenges you had that were expected or unexpected.
2: Um, the biggest unexpected challenge that I had was adapting to um, the planning system that we had. Um, we used a system called SAP, which was uh, it's a computer system, it's an enterprise resource uh, system that we did all our planning on, which um, the supply planning team did all of their uh, planning on as well. And it was my responsibility to keep the planning current within the system so that it had visibility throughout the organization. And it was definitely not a user-friendly system. It, you know, it wasn't like an Apple or a Microsoft system where it's just intuitive. You, know, you needed to memorize the codes. You needed to know, the, you need to, to know all the functionality and what, what drove one part to do the next. Um, that was, uh, you know, in, in the military, I wasn't really spending a lot of time in specific systems. Um, I might have had employees who were, um, but I wasn't. But um, I, I, I was the one who was doing that now. So that was a, a big adjustment in just learning the system and spending time with um, with, with peers in the organization um, who knew the system better than I did and getting coaching from them was very helpful. Uh, and you know, by my, the end of my second year, I was actually the SAP super user for my group. So whenever anybody in my group had a problem with the system, I was the one they came and talked to. So that, that, that paid off dividends. It, um, it was a big adjustment going from being a leader to being an individual contributor um, which was tough for me at first I left as a company commander I had 160 soldiers and suddenly I you know I had a cubicle and I had a uh, you know a, a brand portfolio that I was responsible for keeping track of um, but you know it, it took me a while to get used to that but I just kind of reoriented my my view on that and realized it was actually a good thing it, it allowed me a chance to really learn what I was doing without the pressure of having to manage a team. And it also gave me extra time to focus on improving myself. Um, I did that through um, getting my MBA. I went to NYU Stern part-time to, to earn my MBA, and that would have been a lot more challenging if I had already directly been in a people management role as opposed to the individual contributor role that I that I ended up in
1: well let's go let's go back to that piece which you just t- in a little bit go back to that uh, MBA piece that you just talked about but it, in, instead of going there right now I want to ask you because you did work with a bunch of different military people and things like that what do you think are some common mistakes people make during that first year to 18 months in that transition
2: I think some common mistakes people make um, People can be less sensitive to the backgrounds of the people they we're working with. I mean, we're working with a whole different group of people in, in the corporate environment than we did in the military. Um, I, I had a, a another Cameron Brooks person I worked with, a um, former military guy, who said some inappropriate things on occasion. It wasn't really that bad, but wasn't really set for that environment. Um, right. I kind of pulled him aside and said, you know, you got to realize we're not in an all-male infantry unit anymore, um, maybe some of these things you shouldn't be saying. Um, and as soon as he was conscious of what he'd done, he, he was like, oh, I, I didn't even think about that. Thank you for calling that out. And it wasn't a problem. Um, I think expectations can be rough sometimes. Um, um, a lot of military guys I worked with at Unilever would be ready to move after a year enroll. And um, really, that's that's kind of a very short. I mean, that's almost a normal time period for a role in the military. It's a very short time period I found um, in a in a corporate role. Um, so I'd say expectations as to how long you need to stay in a position before you rotate to something else. Um, another mistake would maybe be um, expectations of how quickly they're going to make the jump from being an individual contributor to being a manager. I know. I know. I had the expectation that I would be a, a manager very quickly. Uh, other people I worked with did, um, and you got to realize that there's a lot of really, really talented people in in these companies that we go to work for, and um, there's competition to make it. And you know, not that there's it's, it's impossible. It's definitely very, very possible. And I saw quite a few uh, Cameron Brooks guys very quickly make the jump up to uh, manager at Unilever. Um, so maybe just expectation management I'd say is, is a mistake that it happens as well
1: and what would your advice to be to people that are like a year out or uh, I guess first advice to people who are considering the transition because you talked about mm-hmm. that how would you help what would your advice be to them about thinking through this transition to get out
2: uh, if they're if they're still on the fence about getting out or not getting out, or they've already decided and how do they prepare? or if they
1: decide, yeah. Either way, how would you take that? Either got way. Two separate groups, yeah. So just uh, you really got two separate groups of people. So maybe one for each of them.
2: Sure. If you're if you're on the fence, I would say definitely talk to your peers who have already left, find out how it's going for them, and you know really evaluate why it is that you want to make this change. Um, if 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 you want to make the change because um, you know, you're just dissatisfied with, with your, your current boss in the military. Maybe have some perspective and realize they're not going to be your boss forever. Um, but if you really thought about it and you've just decided the military isn't for you, it's, there's definitely opportunities out there. And I would say, you know, give it a try. Um, speak with your family, uh, especially your, your, your spouse, I, I think is, is very useful. Um, you know, it really needs to be a decision that the whole family makes as opposed to just one individual. Um, If you've made that decision to to leave the military and transition, um, I'd say the best piece of advice that I can do is listen to uh, you and the crowd at Cameron Brooks, honestly. I I tell people all the time, you guys steer us right, Um, but, you know, same advice. Talk to people who have made the jump already, um, see how it's going for them, what mistakes they've made, um, and what they think they've done right, and, um, you know, Start reading not just uh, not just business books but um, read periodicals and and online articles about business just find out what's going on out in the marketplace right now Um, and and stay current on that I think that'll that'll help you out a lot
1: okay Um, what would your advice be to somebody now that you've made this transition I think you know chip based on your promotions and your moves that you've done you've done really well what would your advice be to people that are establishing themselves like in that and running into some obstacles and like being challenged and things like this. There's going to be obstacles in the first 12 to 18 months. How would there you are tell there. them to get through that? Um,
2: I'd say, uh, figure out what's, what's causing these obstacles. Are these, are these internal obstacles or external obstacles? Um, are these, you know, is, is the, are the things that you're bumping into in your first 12 to 18 months that are causing you problems, were they the same kind of obstacles you bumped into the military? Um, you know, at some point, you got a question: is, is it me or is it them? Um, and it's, you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's us. And if 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 you're causing your own obstacles, you just need to, to step back and, and gain some perspective and figure out how you can, how you can work around those and and, and what you can do. Um, I think finding a, a mentor is very helpful if you're lucky enough to find a good one. It's it's actually tougher, I think, to find a good. Um, person to serve in a mentor role and really be a productive mentor. Um, I had some false steps myself, uh, I worked with the with the company, uh, you know, they had a structured mentor program that um, I had one mentor who was pretty good and I had another mentor that really wasn't a good fit for me and we didn't continue that relationship in that way. Um, but if you can find a mentor either in your organization or external to your organization, um, maybe somebody you worked with in the military been out longer than you have, that, that can be very useful. Um, and,
1: and do you have a mentor right now?
2: I don't have a mentor right now. Exactly. No. Like, Are you yeah, mentoring I've, I've
1: anybody that. yourself?
2: I, I am not currently mentoring anybody myself. No. Although I'm hoping that's, that's one of my goals for 2017 actually is to find a mentor and, and find an opportunity to, to act as a mentor for somebody else.
0: Okay.
1: Gotcha. Let's talk about the MBA. Um, you sure not to go to full-time MBA school. Go straight into the business world. Tell me why That's you decided correct, yeah. not to do that. Tell me why you decided not to do that, and where are you with your MBA right now?
2: Um, I decided not to do that because I, uh, when I separated from the military, I was married and I had two children. Um, going into a full-time program just wasn't realistic for me. Um, I needed to continue earning a salary to support my family, um, so I decided just to go straight straight into the business the business world. Um, I'm very glad that I did. I, I actually think that I had a richer experience with my MBA going part-time than I would have going full-time. Um, you know, I, I had the ability to bring, you know, actual examples of real business problems I was dealing with, uh, you know, at Unilever with me to the classroom at NYU. And um, same thing is once I learned something you know, in a classroom, I could turn around and apply it, you know, right away. Um, I had a couple classes with full-time MBA students, um, and, you know, I, 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 they definitely had a more academic view on everything than the part-time students I interacted with. Um, You know, it was, they knew what they knew from class as opposed to, you know, that issue they'd encountered at work, you know, two weeks ago. Um, You know, very, very sharp crowd, and I'm quite sure they're going to do very very well um, but you know I mean the vast majority of NYU full-time students end up going you know finance sector or you know that that consulting route um, um, no I'm just I, I I really am glad that I, I went part-time it was a really good fit for me um, and my family
1: all right good yeah um, oh, so where am I at I, I yeah.
2: graduated in May um, it was a, two, a three-year program um, Three years driving into New York City two nights a week, and I'm very glad I don't have to make that commute anymore. Um, but yeah, I graduated in May. Very very excited about that.
1: Did you going to graduate this May? I did. Yes. Oh great! And uh, what do you think was the biggest benefit? How are you seeing that benefit applying so far in your in your career at GSK? Uh,
2: I think it helped shape my thought process when I think about. Um, um, Problems that I encounter at the office, or opportunities that I encounter in the office. You know, I almost when I when I first started, I almost went in with like a military mindset of like, okay, here's the problem. What's the quickest way we can tackle and fix it and move forward to the next one? Um, you know, let's just let's just get this done, uh, as opposed to thinking about it from a more uh, you know business conscious perspective. Like, you know, what's the what's the cost? What's the benefit? What's the risk here? Uh, does it actually need to be resolved right now or can we, you know, is it a a lower priority we can put off to later? Um, how is this going to benefit the company overall? You know, this might be really advantageous, you know, for the finance group, but this decision is going to have a big impact on the supply planning group. Um, just kind of the, way I think about business problems. Um, and it, 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 it gave me the ability to speak the language as well. Um, you know, I didn't speak, business language when I when I came to Unilever and I started learning there um, and there's just there's just some things that you know that you can learn a lot on the job um, but just having that formal training really just kind of gives you that opportunity to really understand what's going on and, and the, the theory behind it um, so I, I think you know having the ability to speak the MBA language I don't know businesses I don't know what you want to call it but that's that's been very advantageous as well
1: do you feel like you missed out on not building a network by not going to the full-time MBA program? Because I, I often hear people say they want number the top two reasons why people want to do a full-time MBA program is they want to build their network. And two, they don't know what they want to do for a career. So they're going to go to MBA school. What would your thoughts be on that? Now that, and I know it's kind of, it's going to be biased, right? Because I sure. didn't do that route and yeah. we don't do that route. So I know I, for listeners out there, listen, I understand it's biased. It's just that experience but what would be your your retort to that
2: I uh, I did build a network uh, while I was there um, I'm in touch with people I've communicated to people about opportunities they communicated to me about opportunities all the standard reasons that, that people who are looking for a career um, you know build that network I, I I think I did build that network um, and I didn't even put a lot of effort into it I know a lot of people put a lot of effort into building that network there were all kinds of opportunities um, in my part-time program to do networking events and you know extracurricular activities, things like that. I personally didn't participate in those very much um, because you know I, I had a wife and, and kids at home I needed to get back to, and I wasn't really necessarily thinking that I would be making a change, so I didn't feel the value of, of building a network. Um, but if you know, if if building a network is one of your priorities for going to an MBA program, I would say I I can see where that would be a problem with an online MBA, but if you're doing a part-time MBA where you're physically going into a classroom, um, the opportunity is definitely there for uh, building that network. Um, it, It depends on program by program, you know, the more time you're in a classroom and interacting with people, the more opportunities there are for building that network.
1: And Chip, um, the other thing I'd like you to, to talk about is you, you obviously spent a lot of time developing yourself with the MBA. How do you continue to develop yourself today now that you're not in the MBA program?
2: Well, um, I think I've taken a little break the last half of this year just because I just finished up the MBA. And I've really just been working to uh, find my place you know, on the job as, as a manager in a corporate setting, so I, I definitely was a was a manager. I was a company commander in the military. Um, made the jump over to being an individual contributor at Unilever, which, in hindsight, was was the best thing for me. I, I, I personally don't think I was ready to be a manager in a, in a corporate environment at that point, and I needed that time to really learn what it is I was doing and what kind of environment I was operating in, you know, to to prepare myself for that. Now that I actually find myself you know, as a, as a manager in a, in a corporate environment, um, I've really just been trying to learn the details of that. Um, GSK has a great um, first-time manager program that I, I attended, a two-day program, and goes over a lot of HR stuff. So I've been trying to learn the HR policies. I've been working on, um, you know, evaluations here at the end of the year and learning how to do those from the other side. Um, You know, it's all stuff that I kind of thought would be second nature because I did something similar like that in the military. But, you know, once you get into whatever job you end up in, you've got to learn how the specifics work there. So this year I've really just been focusing on learning the details of my new role as as a manager here at GSK. And I set a goal for myself in 2017. I want to work with um, um, IDF. It's a group that um, I, I can't remember. I think it's international business forecasters group, I think, but they do certifications in in forecasting. Um, It seems to be where my career has been so far, so I'm gonna work with them and try to get my professional certification from them and develop my specific skills in forecasting since that's uh, what my group does now.
1: Okay. And uh, um, what's the best book that you've read to help you develop in in your career?
2: Um, the one that I draw the most, um, the one that I draw the most in, insights from is, is good to great, but I feel like that one's been talked to death over. <laughs> so I yeah. don't want to, you know, get into good to great. Although I think that's like an essential, like you really, that that's one everybody needs to read. Um, I thought you were going to ask me this. I, I went back and, 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 and looked over. So I actually, even we I, my last, there's here, my last year there, I was doing a, a, a book club uh, where we were we were reading books, and the last one we did was uh, First Break All the Rules," which I thought was a really great book. Um, and it kind of talked about things that um, people think managers should do things this way, but here's you know here's a different way of looking at it. It's actually very effective. Um, the two big takeaways that I took that I from that were um, focusing on improving your strengths as opposed to improving your deficiencies. Um, Basically saying, look, not everybody is going to be great at everything, um, and a lot of times the development is you're not very good at this, so this is going to be your development area for the year. And their perspective is find out what you're not good at and get good enough at it to you know be passable, but it's not an issue. And then once you're there, stop. Don't don't work on that competency anymore. Really focus on the competencies, competencies you're pretty good at, um, because the effort you put into getting better at what you're already good at you're going to see you know, results twice as good for the effort as what you would see if you're putting into you know, competencies that you're not very good at. Um, so I, I try to focus on, on myself and, and others and on developing others to say, what are you good at? Let's make you great at it. Let's drive it and, and go further with that than we would with you know, making you really good at what you're currently not very good at at all. Um, the other thing I like about it is the um, treating everybody fairly. But don't treat everybody the same. Um, I, I feel like that's a very common thing in the military. Is you, you know, there's a very standard rating system, there's a very standard pay system, a uh, very standard rank system, and if you are you know at this rank, you get treated this way. Um, but uh, this book is basically saying like people are different. You need to treat it really fairly. But what you know, one management style for one of your employees may be counterproductive with another employee. You know, one employee might like getting pressured because that pressure drives them forward to excel. You put that some, same pressure on another one of your employees, and they might, you know, crumble under it. They just—they're just, they're just not. They don't respond to it in the same way. Um, so I try to pay attention to my employees as, you know, individuals and what, what, what specifically drives them, and how can I, how can I use that to, you know, drive their performance moving forward.
1: That's good. What other things? Do you want to share with listeners about your career, lessons learned, ideas that you feel like you want to pass on? Whether it's other alumni like you or officers that are considering the transition, um, I would want to share. Um, I, I, I've just come up a couple
2: times, but you kind of, you know, I took a step back. I feel, I, you know, not financially, but in responsibility-wise, I took a step back leaving the military. Um, I went from, you know, being a company commander to being an individual contributor, uh, and that was tough uh, in a lot of ways. It, it, it really bothered me sometimes the first year until I kind of wrapped my head around it and, and, and adopted a new perspective. Um, but sometimes you, you have to take that step back uh, in order to get on the path that you want to be on. Um, for me, the, the military was no longer the path I wanted to be on. I, I was ready to, you know, work in a, in a corporate environment. Um, and I had to take a step back to get there and, you know, I, I don't regret it. It, it, it's, it's paid off very well and I am exactly, you know, where I'm at right now is exactly where I thought I would be, uh, five years out and, you know, I'm, I'm only four and a half years out, so I'll consider that a success. Um, but just, you know, keep an open mind and, um, be willing to take that step back if it gets you on, on the path you want to be on. That's
1: good that's great I mean and I think that you know you obviously took that step back I guess last one we didn't really talk about you made a you didn't you made a career change you made more of a company change because you kind of stayed in the same career path role if you will why did Mm -hmm. what kinds of things did you consider in making that change from Unilever to um, uh, to GSK Uh, yeah so
2: I I I knew that I wanted to make the change this year—the jump from individual contributor to manager. I wanted that to coincide with completing my my MBA. Um, so I started looking um, internally and externally in, in January. Um, I was really hoping to, to stay with Unilever, uh, but to be honest, it was just a very competitive environment for for advancement, and there was um, there was a lot of really smart people there doing a really a really good job and um about about a month after i started my job hunt which was way sooner than i thought it was going to be i i was contacted by GSK um it was kind of a unique opportunity in that there was a um a merger between um GSK, consumer health care business and Novartis another pharmaceutical company's consumer health care business and there was a relocation of headquarters from Pittsburgh to New Jersey And um, a lot of the planning team was offered the opportunity to relocate but chose not to. They didn't want to pull up stakes and and leave Pittsburgh and relocate to New Jersey. Um, So what really appealed to me about this position at at GSK is I would, you know, come in at the level I wanted to be at. Um, I would be doing something that I already had experience in. So I would be starting over from scratch as a manager. I would actually be able to, to come from a place of knowing what I was doing and the, the team needed to be filled. We, we had 10 positions on the team, and um, only two of them were filled. So I knew there would be a lot of hiring, and I would be able to um, you know, build the team that I wanted, uh, which was probably what sold it to me the most, was that opportunity to build a team from scratch and to be a part. We were implementing a new computer system. It's the same system I use at Unilever. Um, you know, it was just a really, really exciting time to come over to GSK. And I just saw it as a really big opportunity to build a team and, and, and create something. Um, and that ultimately is why I decided to, to make the jump, um, you know, for, for this kind of unique opportunity that doesn't come along every day.
1: That's great. Good. Chip, you've been amazing. I mean, just great, great advice, good insight on demand planning. I think it's something that um, a lot of people don't think of as a career field. I mean, I just don't think, I think every, you know, you kind of know the big ones, manufacturing, logistics, Mm -hmm. and consulting, and finance, and sales, and engineering, but uh, I don't think people really think about, oh, there's actually like developmental roles, somebody's got to be out there forecasting these millions of products that are flowing through a supply chain, you know, that are really important, so you've been really insightful, and I think very helpful to our candidates and our alumni that are listening to this, so thank you.
2: No, thank you, Joel. It's, it's 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 been a lot of fun. I always enjoy speaking with you.